0: The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part of something that's more than just the little mess that we're in. That you actually rise us up out of our mess in Christ and we get to do the unthinkable, which is to go out and make a difference in all of the community. To see the gospel go forth, to see lives transformed, to see people changed. So, Father, I pray you multiply this offering this morning as folks bring their tithes and they bring offerings, Lord, and that you would bless them as they give, that we would become more generous people and we are going to see miracles upon miracles unfold across this land. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, as they're passing the offering, if I, we're going to do one other little special thing. If I could have um, Faye, uh, Faye Nelson and Craig... And uh, David Perry, uh, you're in here somewhere as well, yes? Stand where you, uh, you guys can come on down if you would, if you want to, that's okay. Where's David at? Um, And Jimmy King as well, he was in our first service this morning, he's not in this service. These guys are leaving for the Dominican um, on a missions trip um, in the wee hours of Tuesday morning, Um, right, 3 a.m., is that correct, that's what Craig said, right, 3 a.m., oh, I don't know, yeah, that's, I don't know, I'm not sure, oh, thank you, Daniel, Daniel's going as well, Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to pray, because I'm sure Jesus is awake at three in the morning, but, um, but we're going to pray just in case, Um, but we're going to pray, we get to partner with them as they go, um, to the Dominican with Pastor Ellie, um, um, the church down there in the Dominican that we partner with and minister with a lot our students have been So if you will extend a hand up this way, we're going to pray for these guys as they go But please don't leave that here this morning Please pray for them over the next week as they go and share the gospel And as they're able to go all the places They go from churches into prisons and some other places to share the love of christ So let's pray for these guys father. I thank you so much for my friends up here and my family and co-laborers in the harvest I pray you give them a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, everywhere their feet would fall, that you would give them the land. That the harvest would be huge. Lord, that you would also uh, fill Ellie afresh with the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, as he is preparing for them to arrive, that the doors would be open, the hearts would be soft, the gospel would go forth, and the kingdom would be advanced. And we just thank you for it. And we declare safety all the way there and back. And great testimony when they return. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> thank you for coming up. Bless you guys. Y'all be safe. Love you, man. Well, we're sending a whole crew down there just to make sure that Craig behaves while he's there. So we... <laughs> oh, man. Praise the Lord. How are you guys doing? You doing okay? It's been a good morning so far. Amen. I've been jacked up all day, man. They broke into Cornerstone in the first service today, and I ain't been right since. So um, it's amazing how the Lord will orchestrate some things um, before you know it, because honestly, that word is right at the root of what we're going to talk about today, and we didn't plan that. We didn't coordinate that. And so when they broke out that this morning, it just really resonated with my heart, and I really believe it's the word of the Lord um, for today. So um, if you'll grab your Bibles, you'd go ahead and, and cruise over to 1 Corinthians 13, where we've been uh, together for the last number of weeks. We're going to continue doing that today. Um, we've been in this series of messages, if you've been here, where we've been talking about 1 Corinthians 13. Um, that is the chapter where you find the famous uh, saying of love is patient, love is kind, um, that you often hear hearing at weddings. But we talked about the fact that that passage of Scripture isn't just about weddings, that Paul's actually writing a letter to the church that's not necessarily that unlike our church. That Corinth was a messy place. And we can say the Outer Banks can be a messy place. Amen. And, uh, and so that church was filled with messy people. And uh, Liberty often, one of the things we love about this church, is uh, we often have folks that know that they can come and be loved just as they are. And it can be a great messy place. And it's a wonderful thing. And Paul's been answering their questions and talking to them about how you have church and the things you should do and shouldn't do. He talked with them a little bit about sexual sin and and boundaries. But then at the end of chapter 12, he makes this statement. He says, now let me tell you the more excellent way. In other words, what Paul's saying is what I'm getting ready to tell you is how all this other stuff works. It's the thing that holds it all together. It's the thing that gives it its meaning. So that 1 Corinthians 13 is not about weddings. 1 Corinthians 13 is the center of the deal. It's what God is like. And in Christ, it's what we can become like. So that's what we've been digging into for um, several weeks. And so if you will, um, over at 1 Corinthians 13 with me, we are going to jump around in some scripture today. You might want to break out a piece of paper and jot a few of the references down and go back and read them a little more later. Well, we're going to start at verse 8 together and just read. All right, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes... What is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now this little section of scripture, I used to always think was weird. I don't know about you, I felt like, you ever seen something, whatever, it's like one of these things is not like the other, Sesame Street, right? Something sticks out like a sore thumb. I've always felt like this little section of Scripture, right? Oh, my love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is wonderful. And then it's, I used to act like a kid. And uh, uh, speaking in tongues and prophecy, and what is what I used to think about all of that? But what's getting ready to happen here, what Paul's telling us in this section of Scripture is very important because of a tendency that we have. Okay? And we're going to dig into that a little bit together. And that tendency is that we don't always do well with change. Amen? Amen to that. Well, he has that little statement there where he says, When I was a child, I thought like a child. How many of you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Anybody? Anybody? Did you want to be something when you grew up? Anybody? Okay. Um, these are just some pictures of Livy that I dug up last night, just all the various uh, dress-ups of her. Um, I told the first service, um, the Romo thing's not going to work anymore, at least not for the Cowboys. But, um, but I love the one on the top left. And uh, because if you know Livy, that is 100% Livy. For a long season, we used to do this thing on Instagram called Fashion Forward Moments with Livy. Because she would come out of her room dressed up like all kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, for me, it was quite a journey. I don't know about you. um, When I was little, um, I wanted to be an artist. Um, I loved to draw. I was always doodling and making cartoons on things. And then, from the time I was 10 until I was almost uh, about 18, 19 years old, I traveled in the summers with Faye and and Kofan with Creative Ministries. And I wanted to be a puppeteer, man. I was all about Jim Henson and the Muppets, and I thought that would be an amazing thing. And then, a little later on, I was thinking I would like to do animation. You know, I was thinking Disney had a school of animation. I thought about doing that. I love that stuff. In fifth grade, um, uh, in Bethel, North Carolina, at the elementary school, we used to walk to school there, and the old brick two-story schoolhouse there, which must have been since, like, built right after Adam got out of the garden, because, um, I mean, it was like, it still had the metal, it had metal conduit and stuff that had been added to the outside of the walls, so the electric wires were not inside the walls, you know. It was, and it was this two-story old building, and I was upstairs in fifth grade, and we had this teacher that had a yardstick and if you weren't paying attention she'd smack your desk really hard with the yardstick anybody ever have one of those maybe you got hit with the yardstick but um so i i would doodle and draw all day in class and i'll tell you she would smack my desk with the yardstick and uh and i told the first service it would about make you want to pee your pants it would scare the tar out of you and uh I wanted to be, you know, into animation. When I got into high school, I got into music. And my my desire was I wanted to be in, in a rock band. I wanted to travel. I was all into music. And then I went to college. While I was in college, I declared four different majors. How many of you guys have more than one major? Okay, and I did not major in the four things that I declared in the first place. And when I got done with Bible college... What I knew I was going to do is I was going to move to Wilmington, North Carolina. I was going to start a coffee house and have Christian bands come in and that kind of thing. What I wound up doing (coughs) is the the coffee house thing did not work out. And through a mutual friend who introduced me to a young guy who was in his first pastorate of a church, and I got in a conversation with him, I wound up becoming his youth pastor. I want to let you know something. Not ever, not at all. Not even once did I ever want to senior pastor a church. Not even close. As a matter of fact, I didn't even want to work in a church. Now, I loved Jesus, and I was all about ministry stuff, but I grew up in a pastor's house. So when I get out of school, and I'm going to coffee house route and I wind up over here working in this church, it was a change of plans. It was a change of plans. And then um, I wound up teaching school for about six years. Uh, while I was doing church work as well. Now that one's a whole other set of stories in itself being that I barely graduated high school. There are some poor children out there who sat under my teaching somewhere. And, uh, and so I taught middle school for six years and then my brother and I planted a church and I was a worship pastor and a youth pastor there. I wound up being a worship pastor at a church in Delaware. And when I got the call to come here in 2010, senior pastoring was never the plan. I came here as the worship pastor of the administrative guy. Plans change. Things change. Has your journey been straight all the way through? Did all of it go to plan for you? Um, There's a famous phrase. There's one constant in life, and it's change. And listen, that quote comes from a really long time ago. And I think it still applies today. The truth is, almost everything in life is going to change. I told the first service this morning that there are cosmetic companies, ladies, that are making billions of dollars selling you products to try to convince you that things aren't going to change. <laughs> I'm not made fun of y'all. Look at the dudes. Somebody needs to make cosmetics for us. But... Um, Hey, it's something for the top of my head where my hair's falling out. But, and we're not going to do the spray on hair. That's kind of, you know, not going to do that. But, right, we spend all kinds of, listen, and I'm not saying that good stewardship of your body is not something you should do. I'm not saying you shouldn't make wise choices about what you eat and whatnot. But listen, change is coming. Right? I mean, even in the bottom part of First Corinthians 13, there eight and following, it says, when I was a child, then it says, then I was a man, and then it says, when completeness comes, we'll see face to face. What is he saying? At one point, we were children, and then we grow up. I'm not a kid anymore, although maturity is another discussion, but right? But by age, I'm a grown up, and at some point, either Jesus is splitting the sky and coming back, and we're going to be face to face, or before he gets back, I'm going to die and see him face to face. Things change. I'm not a kid anymore. And that we grow, we change. This is a very fascinating passage of Scripture. When it says here, Um, When it says here that, that where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will stop. They will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. What is that saying? Even the things that are so important to us about how we do church... Even the things here that we believe in wholeheartedly. Look, this is, a, this is a, what we would say is a spirit-filled or a charismatic church here. We believe that God still heals today. We believe that God still speaks today. God is alive. God is active. God will give words of knowledge. Just like he said to Jeremiah. He said that, he said, cry to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you the unsearchable things that you do not know. Right? Right? I mean, that's a word of knowledge. It's knowledge you ain't got that God gives to you. We believe in that stuff here. But listen, a lot of people put a whole lot of stock in some of those things, and they're important. And they're for the common good, as the Scripture says. And they're for the advancement of the gospel and for ministry. But there's coming a day. When Jesus is coming back and there will be no need for words of knowledge because we will be face to face with Jesus. There will be no need for supernatural gifts to reach the lost because Jesus himself has come and we have entered into eternity with him. There will be no more sickness. There will be more, no more death. There will be no more tears. That stuff will be resolved. That's, this passage is saying everything changes at one point or another. It's all going to change. Are you with me this morning? Are we okay? Now in the meantime, we get to walk in that stuff and we get to see God do miraculous things. But change can often be scary and challenging and most people don't like change. Amen? Or they want change and they don't like the process of getting change. Or it's painful. The worst dressing down that I ever got Now, that's Southern speak for the worst I ever got chewed out, okay, Uh, was in my first youth pastor years ago in a church on a youth Sunday. We were in charge of the service for that day, the kids, and the kids were doing songs and skits, and in that church, there was a communion table down front, and we took the communion table, moved it to the side, did the skit, and immediately moved it back into the same dents in the carpet, okay? Okay. On there, Monday morning, the next day, I got hauled into the deacon's office and got the worst chewing out that I've ever gotten in church for moving the communion table. I changed something. And somebody somewhere died and left a lot of money that bought that table, that put the dents in the carpet and you know, put it at the front of the church. And it was offensive to somebody that we moved the table. People don't like change, right? We get committed to things. And for some people, even after they're dead, they're committed to it and uh, don't want to move. And uh, we don't like change because it's difficult. We feel like it says something about us if things change. This passage right here, it says we see in part. Amen that we don't see the whole deal yet. You don't have it all figured out. You don't know the end from the beginning. You don't know all the parts that are being woven together and why things are the way they are. Some things you do, but we see in part. But there is one who does not change, who knows it all, who weaves it all together. And the scripture tells us that because of Jesus, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace in our time of need. That we have access to the one who does not change. Often change is the result of tragedies. Unexpected things, events that happen that are beyond our control. Amen? Anybody here, if you feel like something happened to you that was of no issue of yours, those things happen. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, right? You felt those kinds of things. When I was 13 years old, I had a childhood friend who was 15 who was killed in a car accident. A friend of mine, he was coming home from getting his permit and he was turning into his driveway and got hit by a car on the day he got his permit. Lost a childhood friend. I didn't plan on that. Lisa and I didn't get married to lose three children. We didn't plan on that. I didn't plan on one of my spiritual fathers and deep mentors in worship, Joseph Sasser, at 41 years old in 2005, After having a clean bill of health the week before. Having just a heart attack out of the blue and dying and going home to be with the Lord. Leaving a wife and a brand new young son. Didn't plan on that stuff. And I've had a lot of questions for the Lord and all of that stuff. Those things have changed. So I've been at the place where it all seems like chaos. And I've been at the place where it all seemed lost. And I felt like a failure and things seemed like they were over. And here's the deal. Those circumstances... In my life, and I would assume it's the same for you, those things have changed me. Those things have changed people that I know. Those things have even changed um, my marriage and my wife and I. And all the change, what everybody's looking for is a constant. With all the chaos in the world, what everybody wants is a rock. Everybody wants something that's firm, that doesn't move, because it makes them feel secure. Something that, as I put up there this morning, that'll stand through the storms and time and the changes that go on in the world. And the thing about change is it makes us afraid. It makes us feel insecure. And that passage of Scripture is huge. In 1 John four eighteen, there says that God's love, right? We've been talking about that for weeks now. And it says that there's no fear in love and that perfect love casts out fear. And often, I didn't even talk about this in the first service, but fear has to do with punishment. And you get people that approach God all the time, is God punishing me? Well, if we understand the nature of God, we know that God's not punishing you. Now discipline's another discussion, but God is not spiteful and punishing you. And fear is not from God. What God wants to do is God loves you. He wants to love you. He wants you to receive his love and that love will cast out fear. What that does, it allows us to lay hold of the one who does not change. Who is the constant through the storms. Through the loss of children and the loss of friends and the loss of jobs and unexpected things. First Corinthians 13, verse 8, the very first part says that love never fails. The word fail there. The Fails there is an interesting word in the original language. What it means is love does not drop out. Love does not go away. Love never becomes ineffective and love does not perish. Those are the root meanings of that word. Now, what's so amazing about this is, if you look over at that passage that we talk about often, and you can just write this down, 1 John 4, 8, I just quoted to you, it says that God is love. And the passage we just read said that love never fails. It's incredible for us. Hebrews 1, 3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. So God is love. Love never fails. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And then all the way back in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. And then over in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Pastor Jamie read at the opening of the service this morning, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now I want you to listen to that. God is love. Love never fails. Jesus is the exact representation of God. I, the Lord God, never change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ alone is the cornerstone where the weak can stand upon the rock. They're made strong. And through the storm, he is Lord over it all. The winds and waves come People pass away. You are going to push up daisies at some point if Jesus does not come back first. Money comes and goes. Jobs come and go. Love never fails. Jesus never fails. Christ alone is the cornerstone. I want you to go back, if your finger's still there, at 1 Corinthians 13, look at verse 4. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts. Jesus always hopes. And Jesus always perseveres. Jesus never fails. Christ alone, the cornerstone, the rock for us. So the issue is not primarily about things that change. Circumstances, difficulties you face, finances, how we do church, how culture and society changes. Those things are secondary and find their resolve in what doesn't change. So the question for us today, the issue for us is, What are you doing, not about the things that are changing all around you, the issue is what are you doing about the thing that doesn't change? What are you doing with the thing that doesn't change? Because that's where you're going to stand firm in all of the things that do change. You okay? Serious in here this morning. All right. So let me ask you this first question, two questions for you this morning. What are you doing about Jesus? Jesus. What are you doing about Jesus? We've established that Jesus is God and what he is like and that that doesn't change. In the midst of life and change, what we're all looking for is good news. I mean, how many of you want to walk into work tomorrow and get some good news? (laughs) How many of you want to walk into school tomorrow and get some good news? Yeah? How many of you guys are waiting on some good news from a doctor? Some good news about your finances. Some good news about a relative. We all want good news. Why? Because that helps us feel better about the things that change. Well, there's good news. There's good news for all of you. There's good news for all of us. We're all looking for true life and hope. John 10, 10, we quote up here often that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus' intent, what Jesus came to do was bring life to you and life to the full. And over in John chapter 17, verse 3, we're told what that life is. All of us have a concept, just like when we were children, about what the life looks like. Obviously, Livy's confused and I was confused about what the life looks like. But we all got plans. We got all things we're looking for about what the life... If I could just have a little more money, if I could just be a little more secure, if this relationship would just get right, what the life looks like. John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they would know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. What that means is you can have life and know life no matter what the rest of your life looks like, is what that's saying to you. In John 14, 6, Jesus makes this declaration There's only one way, and it's Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. Christ alone. What is that? That is good news. You need to hear me. This may not be, the, as my father would say from time to time up here, this may not be the thriller from Manila for you. But here's the truth. This is the crux of the matter. You may walk out that door right there and have a heart attack in the parking lot. What are you doing with Jesus? If you're lost this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you're feeling separated from God, there is good news for you in the house this morning. You can know him. And knowing him, is eternal life. And he's the one that does not change. But if you're in here this morning also, I want you to know something. If that's not you and you know Jesus this morning, the gospel is comprehensive. The good news applies on all levels. So it's not like the gospel is just about evangelism and sharing Jesus with somebody so they meet Jesus and that's the gospel. Let me tell you this morning, if you're here this morning and your marriage is struggling, there's good news for you. If you're here this morning and you're struggling through your finances and don't know what you're going to do next, there's good news for you. If you're sick in here, mind, body, spirit, there's good news for you. If you don't know what you're going to do for the rest of your life and you feel useless and worthless or feel like you don't amount to much, there is good news for you. It's Jesus. He's the one that will set your feet upon the rock, which is himself. And he can speak purpose and identity and healing and freedom and the breaking of chains to you. So that you can become everything that he created you to be. So the first question this morning is, what are you doing about Jesus? The second question, and as I ask you this, if I can get the communion team to go ahead and start passing this out this morning. as We're getting ready to take communion together in just a minute. What are you doing with his word? What are you doing with Jesus? The second thing is, what are you doing with God's word? What are you doing with it? I'm going to give you some scriptures here and I want you to mark these down because this is important. I know your fingers might be tired after the service today. Flipping through your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 24 and 25. All people... Are like grass. I said in the first service today, nobody laughed, it's okay, but I'm sure that my um, landscapers appreciate this, right? That all people are like grass. You ever had anybody you wanted to mow down? Um, All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The word of the Lord remains forever. Matthew chapter 24, if you'll flip back there. Bible drill today. Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And this is Jesus saying this. So now we have, everything's going to change with people. And now he's saying, everything's going to pass away with heaven and earth. The sky, the earth, it's all going to change but that the word of the Lord remains. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11 says this. This is God, God speaking and he says, So is my word that goes, goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty or void, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So not only will God remain beyond life and death, Not only will God's word remain through that, God's word will remain through the changing of the heavens and the earth. Not only that, but that when God speaks his word, when God has given us his word, it's living, it's active, it's powerful, and it can do the thing that it was sent to do. So that when the scriptures say, I have a plan for you, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future... That's a powerful word that has the power to perform. It's true, and that promise does not go away. And when God says all the way back in the Old Testament that I will never leave you or forsake you, and then Jesus echoes that as the Son of God, the Word made flesh in the New Testament, says I will never leave you or forsake you, that that is an eternal, unchanging promise of God that He will not leave you or forsake you, that you can take that to the bank. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 20, it says this. Got to find it. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Everything God has said is available to us in Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus, everything God has said is available in your life. It does not change. It's sure. The promises of God are set. They are powerful. And that we, as the body of Christ, get to say amen to that. And you know what amen is? In the original language, it means so be it. Which echoes back to the passage there in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, where Mary responds to the angel. When the angel says, you're going to be pregnant with a child, that child's going to be the son of God. And Mary says this, Let it be unto me as you have said. In other words, she's saying, Lord, I surrender to you. Amen. So be it. Let it be to me. So here's the deal. What am I telling you about? What are you doing with God's word? You need to understand this is more than just a book. This contains words of life. In here are the promises of God. We need to speak them. We need to study them. We need to sing them. We need to speak the promises and the truths of God over our circumstances. We need to speak the truths of God and proclaim the truths of God out here into a lost and dying world so that they can hear the truth. And this truth does not change. It doesn't matter how many people want to interpret 25 different ways. The truth is the truth. God's word remains. That's why I tell you guys often, when I get up here and speak, I don't want you to hear me. Or Pastor Jamie or Pastor Catherine who's going to speak next week. Or Bill who spoke last week. Or all the different folks that speak up here. Or Dad. We just want you to hear Jesus. Take what we say and go open this thing and make sure what we say lines up. We're just people too. Right? Do you know you can speak with God directly? And God will speak to you? And we can encourage you and do our job as the scripture says to try to equip you for the work of service. But you've got a Bible. And his word does not change. It's from before the foundation of the world. It didn't get started when somebody just wrote it down in a book. And that his word does not change. It is secure and it's full of promises that will remain even beyond the changing things of the world. If I could get the band to come as we get ready to take communion together this morning. Um, we often look at change as a negative thing. I know I do. And I don't like it, especially when I look in the mirror these days at almost 45 years old. But I want to submit to you that the one who is love, who never changes, who never fails, that in the process of change, when we lay hold of him, all the change in our life, because of Jesus, can be filled with hope. It can be filled with promise. And all the change that you face... That God doesn't have to be defined by your circumstances, but that you can stand on the rock and begin to allow God to define your circumstances. And what's amazing in those moments is that while everything around you changes and you stand on the thing that does not change, God will begin to change you. And then through you, he'll begin to change the world. Um, Lisa and I, in 2001 had the, a first of three miscarriages. It was a very late-term miscarriage. Some of you guys have heard us share about this before. Um, and so we had to go to the hospital and have induced labor to come home empty-handed. We got to hold our, our baby in our hands, Elizabeth, and say goodbye to her, dedicate her to the Lord, and come home empty-handed. When we went to the doctor... And we went in with all the hopes. Of course, it's a little earlier technology, so we went in with a little handheld recorder so we could record the heartbeat that first day. And when the doctor looked at the sonogram and said, there's something wrong with your child, um, that began a seven-day journey for us to the point at which we found out that she had passed away about seven days later. And in that moment when we met with the doctor, one of the counselor folks came in and sat down with us when we had just found out something wrong with our baby. and, And she said, you know you have options. And my wife looked at me and said, no, we don't. And she looked at the lady and said, we're going to give God the final word, is what she said. And you didn't hear me. It's very real to us today as it was to then, us to then, then, all those years ago, the pain of the moment and the change, going in with hope to be met with devastation, change, drastic change. But the declaration my wife made was No. We stand on the rock that is higher than us. We're going to give him the final word. I don't know that I was there. She's the one that made the declaration. Seven days later, we found out our baby passed away. We made the arrangements to go to the hospital to have delivery. While we're there, the doctor comes in and explains everything he's going to do and all the process. And he said, is there anything else you need or any questions? And Lisa said, yeah. She said, can I have one more sonogram? I can still hear his voice. He said, he said, "Uh, Miss Hobbs, you you know what you're going to see. And she said, I just want to give God the final word. She said it again. They rolled in all the equipment. They gave her another sonogram and it was immediately apparent that Elizabeth's heart was not beating. I'm telling you the truth. Sure as I'm standing here, I'm not lying to you. The craziest thing happened in that moment. There was this weird, peace that came over both of us we were like okay and we realized in that moment that God's heart broke just as much as ours it was not God's desire for us it broke his heart we live in a broken world where these things happen But what we did is we took our broken thing and we had put it in the Lord's hands. And the statistics nationally of people who lose children through miscarriage or through other means just lose children in general after birth, after they're born, the statistic of divorce is well over 75%. We've got that times three. And I'm telling you what, we are not only not divorced, we're better friends today. You can ask her to make sure I'm not lying. You can catch her after the service. We're better friends today than we've ever been. And closer than we've ever been. But something else crazy happened. It's the red car happened. The red car. You go to buy a car, you think it's the coolest thing, you get that red car, and then all of a sudden you see them everywhere. That ever happened to you? Like you buy a certain car and all of a sudden you see that same car everywhere? All of a sudden you never noticed it before? The red car happened to us because we had put it in the Lord's hands. We stood on the rock and all of a sudden the Lord began to work through us. And it was standing in the grocery line or sitting in the restaurant, listening to the table next to us or people in the church that we talked to, just random conversation and miscarriage will come up. And now we see him everywhere and we're able to impart our journey and what God has done through us and the hope and the promise that we've lived in and the deep depth of relationship that God has given us and the, the incredible expectation we have of the day where he's carrying us all the way to the house. And when we get, can't talk when I cry. When we get there, we're not only going to be met by Jesus, we got three kids we get to hold. Promise, hope, in change, by standing on the rock that does not change. Love does not fail. It does not go away. It does not perish. So as we get ready to take communion today, I'm going come down and grab a couple. Thank you, buddy. Um, this is that. This is what was offered to us, the thing that we could not do for ourselves because of change he offered us in Christ Jesus. It wouldn't be possible without him. Three things. Three things this morning. Number one, you need to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. That's the only constant. That's the thing that gets you all the way home. It's where hope and promise is you need to know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you need to press into Jesus. It's not like I checked off my get out of hell card, you know, little box. I'm good. I'm not going to burn. Right? And then you just move on. It's not about that. Eternal life is not going to heaven. Eternal life is not missing hell. Eternal life is knowing you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. It's knowing Jesus, which means you can always know him more and press into him in all circumstances. So if you're in here and you know Jesus and you're struggling, press into Jesus, the one that does not change. And we need to make a commitment to his word so that we're not blown back and forth by everybody's opinion and winds of weird doctrines and teachings out there. We need to know his word so that we stand and stand on the promises and we proclaim the truth. We need to commit to that. And the only way to commit to it, so listen to it, read it, apply it, do the stuff, obey it, see how it works. Commit to the Word. Amen? If you will, I did this in the first service today. We normally don't do this. If you'll bow your heads with me this morning. If you're in the house today and you don't know Jesus, you know, you're saying, hey, you're talking about this guy and I know I don't know him. I, you know, I believe that there's a God, but I don't know that guy. If you're here this morning and that's you and you know you need Jesus I love the prayer that my dad always talks about Jesus I need a savior and you're it I got no other place to go thank you for dying for me thank you for paying for my sin I know that I'm a sinner and I needed it and I'm going to follow you all my days I want to know you If that's you this morning I just love just slip your hand up we're going to pray together no weird bait and switch I'm not going to make you do anything strange Anybody here today? You know that's you? All right. I just want to pray with you real quick before we take communion together. Say, Jesus, Jesus, I know I need you. Thank you for dying for my sin. Today I give you my life. Come into my life. I'm going to live for you. Thank you for making me brand new today. That the old is gone and the new has come. I'm going to follow you. Thank you for loving me. Teach me to love you. If you pray that with me today, that's just a prayer. It's the declaration of the heart. It's a commitment to Christ. I want you to do something for me after the service. If you prayed to receive Christ today, you can swing by guest services or even down front. We've got some stuff for you to help you get started on your journey. Get plugged in. Get plugged into church. If you're here this morning and you know that you need to press into Jesus, your stuff's all over the map. You know Jesus, but you need security and strength. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. And Isaiah, it says that he bore the whip marks on his body for our healing. And I know Jesus, and there are times when I need healing still. It's available to us in Jesus. And he took up the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. A new relationship where the relationship no longer depends on you getting it all right. It's a new relationship based on the fact that Jesus died, shed his blood, paid for it and made it all right. But we can now have a relationship with God on the basis of Jesus and he's perfect. He said it was his blood shed for the remission of sins. So as we take communion today, I want to encourage you. Press into Jesus. Amen. Take spotting and receive. Thank you, Lord. The cup of the new covenant, just take and receive that today. And let's stand together. Father, for the family in the house and the folks watching online today, I pray those things. We just want to know you. Father, we commit to your word that every word is true. That it will not pass away. That your word is pregnant with the power to perform that for which it was sent. That your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It's Christ alone, the cornerstone. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Father, I pray a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit on these guys today as they go, that they would be a people who are rooted in Jesus and rooted in the Word, and they're going to go out and change these Outer Banks and everywhere else they go from here. So we love you. Lord. we love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. What we're going to do is I'm going to let you go.